Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. We're going to start reading there. And I have really appreciated the life of Moses well before I did this study. But I've appreciated it even more as we've been doing this study. Start reading with me, if you would, Exodus 4, 14 through 20. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your, thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto thy people. And he shall be even he shall be even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, in, The Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Now, we don't have time every Wednesday to, to read like the entire book of Exodus, okay? So this would be something good for you to, to just read about where we are, you know, the whole chapter. Uh, so it'll make sense to you when we're doing our study. In our study, we're going to get right to the heart of the matter. But last week, we looked at the call of God. Remember, God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And Moses said, I'm going to see what's going on here. This bush is burning it, but it's not consumed. It's not burnt up. And so he turned aside. And when God saw that he turned aside, then God spoke to him and spoke to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And that became the call. Okay, that was his call. After 40 years of just being what you call a plain old family man, you know, blue collar worker, working with his hands, tending the sheep, a very, uh, probably in a way, a very satisfying life. Not a, not a hard life, not an easy life, but just a hard work. But he's there, he's got a family now. It's 40 years since he killed the Egyptian taskmaster and he was going to buy his own might, uh, deliver... Uh, Israel and thought all the people should know that God was going to use him to do it. Well, they didn't know it at the time because it wasn't God's time. So he goes to the desert and God prepares him. We don't read a lot about that time frame other than he has a family now and he's been tended sheep. You know, diligently working what, what he's called to do. But evidently God had been preparing him. Evidently God had broken him down. Evidently God had humbled him and gotten him to a position where where he could just be a vessel. And that's really where God is trying to get all of us. He's not trying to prop us up and gift us, you know, all these gifts and talents. So look what I can go do for God. He's trying to get us emptied of ourselves so that we can be an empty vessel filled with God, with the Spirit of Almighty God, with the Word of God, with the heart of God, the mind of God. We think we're nothing. And he says, now I can use you. Now I can use you. I've got none of you left in there. Okay? And now I can use you. And that's where the Lord, this is what the cross is working. And we're going to do a study on the cross uh, pretty soon whenever God leads us. But like that, 
had crucified life. And so this was way before the cross, but, but Moses was being prepared, dying to himself, okay? So now he's 80 years old, right? Now he's 80 years old, and now that his life's really going to start. This was almost like uh, that burning bush experience. And by this time, that what we just read tonight, the, the little fire had burned down out of the bush. He wasn't standing at the bush anymore. So that little, ex- that ex- not little, but that experience was over. That God speaking to him like that out of the midst of the burning bush, that was over. As far as we know, that never happened again with Moses. That experience kind of faded, and, and now he's preparing to go. All right? And uh, it's almost like that moment, though, would, would define his life. That would be where he would set his calendar, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, when in, our, in our calendar, we have AD and BC and AD, right? And that moment for Moses at the burning bush would have been the time where everything started. And like when he would look back, he would look back to that moment where God called him and spoke to him. And so uh, he goes back to his father-in-law Jethro and says, let me go. This would have been more of a thing of respect and out of the culture. You know, let me go. He's a grown man. He's 80 years old. He's talking to his father-in-law. Let me go and check on my brothers back in Egypt. And and there's no problem. The father-in-law says, go in peace. And he takes his wife and his children. It's interesting to see they didn't make it all the the way there with him. But uh, he he didn't go and tell his father-in-law, as far as we know, or anybody else, this great vision and conversation that he had with God. And sometimes there's wisdom in that. Sometimes what God shows you is, is for you. And it would be better for people to see the fruit of it rather than you rehashing every little detail with them. Sometimes. Okay, sometimes it's necessary. Maybe with your spouse. Maybe with a co-laborer in the Gospel or something where you're sharing the same vision. But just to go around and say, here's what it was like and here's the bush and... You know, they'd have probably built a shrine there or something and, and perverted it. So sometimes it's good to take those things. I think about uh, Nehemiah when he was a cupbearer to the king and he heard that things weren't going well in Jerusalem. And he, the wall was torn down and the city was a reproach. And he was grieved and he prayed and fasted and God, the, the king gave him release to go back and, and check on Jerusalem. Well, he didn't go and tell everybody, hey, the king gave me leave to come. He said, all the finances we need, we're going to have. He just went himself. Between him and God, he was going to need people to work. But, but right at first, he just went and he went with the call in his heart and he looked at it by night and just checked it all out himself. And then God sent some few handful of people with him that were like-minded and it went from there. I do think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Not to share every... You might have some experience uh, in your prayer life. I've had some that were unusual or in a worship experience. And, and maybe it was just for you. You know what I'm saying? It was, and then people can see the fruit of it. Maybe your life's changed from that experience forward. Hey, there's a glow about you. There's a kindness about you. There's a softness to your heart about you. There's a, a burden for souls I didn't notice in you before. It'd be much better for people to see the, the fruit or the effect of the work of God rather than rehash every little experience because it might have been for you. God doesn't speak to everybody out of a burning bush. 
He asks his father-in-law, can I go? His father-in-law says, go. They start their journey. And uh, so as he's going, uh, he's, he's got his, his wife there. And he's got now, it's not called the shepherd's staff any longer. It's the same thing, but it's called the rod of God. Take that rod in your hand. So now he's going, it'd be like you're just taking a whatever, you know, a stick, a guitar, whatever. It's no longer just that. It's God's made it something. Take that with you when you go. Okay? And so he goes and he's... and. It's as he goes, do you think that when he stepped out and he's going to start this long journey back to Egypt, it's been 40 years since he's been there, that he knew every step, every minute of the way, how it was going to be? There's No, he did not. But this to me is, the, I'm going to get right to the heart of the message tonight. To me, this is the thought for tonight. So if you get one thing, lay hold on this right here. I, I know that this is important. We learn and we only learn, talking about spiritually, as we obey, as we purpose in our heart to obey, and we strive to obey what we've been shown. That's when the new light comes. We talk about that often. Write it down. You know, think about it. You, you, can, re, you can hash over great plans. You can have a committee or you and your spouse can get together. Here's what we're going to do. And you can write it down and have all these wonderful plans that God showed you. But until you step out and actually begin to walk in that, you're not going to grow from that. You're not going to see the rest of the plan unfold. You're not going to see the fruit of that. You're not going to see the deliverance come to Egypt. You're not going to see uh, the healing come to your marriage. You're not going to see whatever it may be. You can say, oh, we should pray together. We should start a family altar time. Uh, and you talk about it, you know it's God, and you've got the Scriptures and everything else, but as we begin to walk in that, even if it might be difficult, even if it might feel a little uh, like you're, you're pushing it a little bit, like you're trying to do it yourself, as we begin to walk in what we know to be the will of God, we're going to receive more light. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. The next step will become more apparent. will become apparent. But it's only going to become apparent as we take the first step. And a lot of times people will not ever take the first step. I'm talking about Christians. You're born again. You're going to heaven one day when you die. When you die. And God's called you to something. And we tarry. Okay? We tarry. It's kind of like a lot in, in Sodom. The angel said, get out of this place where God's going to destroy it. And it says he lingered. He lingered. And, and the, the angels literally had to grab him by his arm and drag him out of town. Okay? He was lingered. He knew it was true. I think if you'd ask him, is God going to destroy this place? Yes. He's a mighty God. He hates sin. He's going to judge it. Uh, I'm supposed to leave. He would agree with all of that. But he didn't step. The angels had to literally grab him. And so, as Moses is returning, he doesn't know everything he just knows the big thing God's going to, you know, use you to speak to the people. Tell them I've come. I've seen, I've seen their heartache and I've come to deliver. Moses, uh, Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. He knew some big things, but he didn't know every step of the way. And I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles. And I want to look at a couple of scriptures here. 
John chapter 7, verse 17. I don't know that we're going to be real long tonight, but I do want you to lay hold on this main thought tonight that we're talking about. John 7, verse 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. That sounds like a strange verse, but to me, it's saying exactly what we're talking about. The learning, the spiritual learning comes from the obedience to what we already know. God, I'm not going to do A until you show me A, B, C, D, E, and F. When you show me all, all of those, I'll do A. And he's saying, no, this is what I've told you to do. If any man will do his will, he'll know. The learning comes with the obedience. Sometimes we don't correlate those two things. Learning comes through studying and learning comes through this. And, but from God's school, okay, in God's school, He says the learning comes through obedience. Take my yoke, that's a doing something, and learn of me. It's not sit and watch me in my yoke and how I live. Take my yoke, that's a doing something, right? We're joining ourselves with Christ and learn of me. And you'll find rest. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he says here, if any man will do his will, the will of God the Father, he shall know of the doctrine whether I speak uh, of myself. Speak of, be of God or whether I speak of myself. One more. Let's look at, look at Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Luke 8, 18. Take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Again, the, the taking heed how we hear, to me, is hearing with obedience. It's hearing with an intent. Let's put it that way. At least hearing with the intent to obey. Now you might have to call upon God for strength to obey. Okay? He might call you to do something that's scary. He might call you to do something that's hard. He might call you to do something that you could not do on your own. But my heart needs to be, yes, Lord, and mean it. So God, give me the strength. Take heed how you hear. We can hear a lot of things, and I think it does a disservice to our lives to hear and not to do. Because what happens is we get bored with it. We get used to it. God's Word can't move us anymore. And I was one preacher that preached a sermon about sermon-proof Christians. They're Christians, but they're sermon-proof. You can't touch them. You can't get to them. It's not that they don't agree. It's not that they don't amen and clap their hands. It's that they don't do it. They're not spurred to do what the Word of God is, is spurring them to do. God gave the Word to the pastor. The pastor or the minister is bringing that Word forth to the congregation. And we say amen and we bob our heads like those little bobbin head dolls. They sell the baseball games. And, and yet we, become, we can become sermon proof and we know it all. We can teach it ourselves. We know it better than the pastor knows it. That scripture or that topic. And yet, but are we doing that? Are we walking in that? Take heed how you hear. If any man will do his will, then he will know. And we'll, we'll expound that. If any man will do the will of God, he's going to grow. If any man will do the will of God, he's going to learn more. He's going to see more. God's going to entrust you with more. 
God's going to, to stretch you more. It's going to be blessed more. It's all going to be more and wonderful. And you're already saved, which is wonderful enough. But He wants to do great things in our lives. That obedience has to be there. The, the little circle of light. Like I said, we're, we're kind of scared. Picture, picture yourself out in a rugged, mountainous terrain. And all you have is a little candle. And you can see it literally about three to four feet circumference around you. And on the edges, it gets real shady and dark. Okay? And, and that's what it's like sometimes. But it's okay. God wants it to be like that sometimes. Probably a lot of times. And so we sing this song, Do I trust You, Lord, when I don't know why? Can I trust the Lord with this much light? And when I walk in this much light, I do see enough to take one or two steps. i got about three or four feet of, of light in front of me. And I know God is leading me. I'm going to take one or two steps till I get to the edge of that. Then it's up to God to give me more. Amen? Give me more strength. Give me more light. Give me more knowledge. Give me more courage. Give me more boldness. Uh, whatever it may be. And He wants us to walk in that. And he want, that's how He works. He does not say, okay, you know, Buck, here's your life. From here, you're going to die when you're 95 years old. Here's what your life's going to be. He doesn't do that. We don't read that. He, he does that with people. He, we read the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We get up and we live for God today. If He doesn't take me home during the night, then guess what? I'll wake up tomorrow by the grace of God and I'll live for God tomorrow. And the end of that day will be a repeat. It's not that we can't make plans, but they're plans with God. They're plans as He burdens them and births them in our heart. And so, uh, I think about when... when uh, okay, like the Paul when he was put in prison. Okay, or Paul when he was on the ship going to Rome towards the end of his, towards the end of his life. He's on this prison ship going to Rome. You know how he knew he, was not, he, knew he wasn't going to die on that ship? All hope that they, were, they should be saved was lost, he says. It was days and days and days they hadn't even seen the, the sun. They couldn't tell if it was day or night the storm was so bad. And all hope that they should be saved was lost. And yet an angel stood by him and said, Fear not, Paul. You know, the Lord's given you your life and all those that are with you. You must appear before Caesar, you know, in Rome. You're going to Rome. And so, okay. What am I saying? I'm saying God gives us what we need at the right time. He didn't die on a ship in a storm. He died being martyred in Rome. Because God told him, you have to go to Rome. You're going to go to Rome. And so we walk in the, the light that God's given us and He gives us more light. We just absolutely have to. And I said, some people are scared. Maybe they, they won't take the next step because God didn't show them the next three steps. Maybe they don't take the next step because it doesn't make sense to them. You ever had God tell you something that in your, in my logical mind, or I would say a puny little mind, doesn't make sense? Uh, and so we refuse to, to step out. Well, we're the ones that are missing. We're the ones missing out. The Lord told Peter when it was time to pay their taxes in or tribute in one of the places, go throw your line, your fishing line into the water. And the first fish you pull out of the water, you can open up, he's going to have a gold coin in his mouth. And it's going to be enough money to pay for my taxes and your taxes. Peter doesn't say, that's ridiculous, Lord. He went and it happened like that. You know what I'm saying? It's just, that's what it's like walking with the Lord. It's exciting to walk with the Lord. It's very exciting 
to walk with Jesus. Okay? Uh, we have the Bible's filled, filled with the examples, but I just want us to see that all the reasons we don't obey, we need to cast those aside and just, yes, Lord. He's not going to show us the whole picture. Because the whole picture of our life is one where we're growing, right? The whole picture of our life is where we're, turn, we're learning to trust the Lord more. Our faith is growing. Our faith is being tested. If He showed you the whole thing now, then you could just kick back and put it on autopilot. You've been on like an escalator or going through the airport, one of those escalators that speeds you up a little bit. You know, whether you walk or don't walk, you're going to get there. But God wants us to, to trust Him. So He shows us this much. And there is some striving and there is some working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And there is prayer and fasting where you say, God, my faith is weak. I'm pitiful. I'm scared. I can't take the next step. You've got to help me. He's going to help you. That's, that's the, the nature of this Christian life. The nature of this Christian life is not, here's one through ten, go get it, tiger. You know, go get him. He's going, he wants us to grow. We're growing. We're, we, we, we wake up and there's bad news we didn't expect and it catches us off guard. What do you do then? You fall on your knees and you go to Jesus. You learn to do that. It doesn't just happen. You learn to do it. He says, I want you to learn to do this. I want this to be your habit. This isn't plan B. This is your only plan you got. God and walking with God is not plan B. It's not God and something else in your own cleverness or, or whatever it may be. It's God. And He wants us to learn that and to trust Him. I just want to encourage y'all uh, to, to keep your eyes on the Lord. I know I say it all the time, but I really feel like things have been really wonderful in our church for two years. Two plus years. Okay? I mean wonderful since we all get along. Isn't that great? There's not been one. Not that I can think of one thing where, you know, I've got to get Dee and Sherry together and sit them, to, sit them down and work out their differences together. You know, it's none of that. Oh, why do you ask Rental to open and, and communion all the time? And he's done it three times since I did it once. You know, there's none of that. I pray there's never any of that. Okay? But I will say that the devil doesn't like our church doing well. He doesn't like us growing in Jesus. He doesn't like the way we're getting along and, and so forth. And I just want us to be on guard. I feel like we need to be on guard just in our own personal lives, on the home front, with our spouses, with our children, to guard that and, and, and just guard it. Okay? Amen. Just to guard that and receive it. I'm not predicting or prophesying problems. I just felt, felt like that the Lord wanted me to say that. And, and when you're praying and praying for our church, pray along those lines. Pray that for our families. You, it's not that many. We can pray for every family in this church. Okay? I pray you do. And I pray for each other. So, but y'all, as long as we refuse to act, back to, to walking in the measure of light. God only showed me one step. And if I refuse to walk in that one step, even as His child... Then, then what's going to happen is it's going to hinder me greatly. I'm not saying we're going to lose our salvation. I'm not saying you're not loved by God. But He called me to do something. There's a plan out there. There's a plan of God, a work of God. And He invited me to be part of it. 
okay? I get the privilege of being part of a deliverance or whatever God's going to do, like Moses. And so, but I refuse to take step one because he didn't show me steps two and three. And what's going to happen if I stay there, then I'll stay there. You understand what I'm saying? If I won't take the step and refuse to obey, then then I'm not going to see step two just because I jump up and down like a little kid having a temper tantrum. Maybe he gives me the answer of what step two and three are, and I don't like it. You understand what I'm saying? He tells me, and I don't like it. Peter, when you were young, you put your clothes on and you walked wherever you want. There's coming a day as you get older, somebody's going to take you by the hand and they're going to take you somewhere you don't want to go. And he didn't tell him all that. He didn't lay it all out for him. He laid enough to know he's this signifying what manner of death he would glorify God. So he showed him that. He doesn't show that to all of us. We walk in the light that we're given, or guess what? That light's going to actually shrink up. It's going to diminish. And we're going to find ourselves cold-hearted and farther away from God than we were yesterday. Tomorrow we'll be farther away instead of closer. We don't stay really in one spot. We shrink up. We shrivel up. The heart gets cold. And it shrivels up. And your fire, your passion for God shrivels up. And your love for souls, your love for your Christian brothers, it shrinks up and it shrivels up. It's either red hot or it's, it's dwindling down. It doesn't stay in one place. Walk in the light. You know, there was King Saul when he was young. We know the story. He was little in his own eyes. God uh, blessed him. God poured the spirit of the prophets upon him, the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. It was wonderful. And he was like a, just a big-eyed kid. And it was all exciting to him. He didn't feel worthy of any of it. That was a wonderful trait, by the way, to be that way. But as he, that kingdom became more important to him than his, the God who gave it to him. And at the end of his life, to me it's one of the most tragic stories in the whole Bible, is King Saul's life. By the end of his life, it says that God didn't answer him uh, in, in dreams and by the Urim or by the prophets. He was about to go fight the Philistines, which was a, you know, a, a arch enemy. About to go fight the Philistines. Philistines. He was going to die in this battle. He didn't know it. God wouldn't answer him. Should I go fight? Should I go fight? How's it going to go? Are we going to win? Uh, God wasn't speaking to him. His heart had gotten cold. He hadn't obeyed the Lord in those years past, and he never repented for not obeying the Lord in those years past. You know what I'm saying? We know the story. This is not a whole sermon on that. But there came a point in his life, God was not answering him. And the only way, if it's for us, if, we, if he says, take this step, start your journey, Moses, and go back to Egypt. What if he's just dilly-dallying and still taking care of the sheep? And the Lord did have to remind him, if, when you read a little further, he says, go. Go back to Egypt. Alright? Go on and get now. Um, if we're just going to stay there, we're going to, to, to miss out on that and, and the light's going to diminish. And then we start thinking, Satan sows those little doubts. That was probably just you in the first place. Has he ever done that to you? And you forget about it and it washes away and you wonder why your, your spiritual life seems to keep hitting a brick wall? You know what we have to do, y'all? We need to get on knees before the Lord. This is why we pray and fast. This is why we turn the TV off sometimes. 
This is why we turn, don't read the newspaper right now. This is why we, we're turning the football game off. And for however long it is, a day, a week, however long God shows you that we get with God and we find out. And I think He'll speak to us. I know He will. And He'll say, you remember when you wanted to start that home Bible study? I put that in your heart. That was five years ago. Five years ago. And I still love you and you still love me. But you disobeyed me because I called you to start that. I wanted to use you in that way. Or, or how I told you, I wanted you to take a pocket full of tracks one Saturday a month and go, go pass them all out in the LSU Union or whatever. And we didn't do it and we forgot about it. God didn't forget about it. That was for our life. That was for our blessing. We were going to be blessed and maybe a lot of souls and we'd be, get, the, get the ones that got to win them to the Lord. It was going to grow me. It was going to stretch me. It was going to move me on to bigger things. There's always bigger things with God. Bigger and better. And God's saying, I want you to go back there. At least in repentance. Maybe you can't go repeat the, the call. But you can go back there in your heart and say, yes, Lord, at the time I was, uh, I was so on fire, I wanted to go win the whole world for Jesus. He says, I'm the one that put you on fire. And I can do it again if you'll let me. I want you to come back here. Okay? And, and then that's where we're going to pick up and start going forward again. You don't go forward in God on your own. You go forward in God in God. That makes sense. You go forward in His plan and His time and His will. And when we try to go forward and we want our prayer life to be so much better, and and yet we disobeyed God back here. And a lot of times, and we're, we're just, I just want to touch this on this real quick. When evidently we didn't have time to read it, but they're on their journey with his wife Zipporah and his children. And one of his children, he, Moses, had neglected at least one of them, to, to circumcise the child. Circumcision was in effect, okay, since Abraham's day. And so this was nothing new. Moses knew it. We don't know the reason why he had not circumcised one of his children, but he had not circumcised one of his children. And so on this journey, God is about to smite Moses down and said, and he knew what it was. He says, you need to circumcise one of your children. And they, he ends up doing it. And I just, there's a lot that could be uh, discussed about that. And I, I don't feel like that's what I'm supposed to do tonight. But I do want to say this. He, just, he circumcised the child, or his wife did. And then, then he went on his way. In other words, that was a hindrance. And what looked like something trivial... Here's this big man, Moses, going to be God's deliverer for the children of Israel. Big plans, big things going on. I'm heading out. I'm going now today. I'm going to Egypt. And it seems like a little thing that one of his children hadn't been circumcised. We'll take care of that later. That's not that big a deal. But there's no trivial things with God. That's what I think we fail to realize. I fail to realize it sometimes. How did you talk to your mother? How did you speak to your spouse? I'm getting ready to go preach and I was rude to them. I'm going to stand up in this pulpit. This is what's important. The sermon, the message. No, that's important. Amen. How I treat my family is important. 
You understand what I'm saying? What looks trivial to us, there's nothing trivial with God. And a lot of great men and a lot of great calls on men's life have been thwarted or stopped or hindered or never came to be because they never picked up on something God was trying to show them. They think that's just a little thing. It's not a little thing. It's a big thing with God. How we, uh, whatever He puts His finger on. And so, uh, a lot of great character traits and principles and callings and moves and, and everything that God wants to do can hinge on what we think is a little thing. So this is why I have to walk closely to the Lord. I can't tell Alberto what it is for his life, unless God would show me. But Alberto can live a life of prayer to where he, he can hear from God. And Lord, I'm sorry I didn't see it. I've been functioning this way for so long I didn't see it about myself. I didn't know that that was important to you. I didn't know that I was neglecting that. I didn't realize how uh, that doesn't honor you or that brought you shame. And that was important to you. God, forgive me. Make what's important to you. Make it important to me. And so he stopped. God was about to smite him down. He circumcised the child. That was the hindrance. Then he goes on his way. And so just a, a bit of just the information to note from that point forward in the journey, the wife and the children went back. We don't really know why, but Moses went on to meet his brother, uh, which we're going to talk about in just a second. And the wife and children went back. We read about it like 14 chapters later in Exodus when he comes out of Egypt, leading the children of Israel out. They come back to this land that uh, Moses' father-in-law Jethro brings the wife and the children. They meet Moses. So evidently they were not with him in Egypt. They were at the start of the journey. They were to that point of the circumcision. And we don't really know why, but, but they joined back together after the deliverance and when they came out. But you know, it, it's so important. And I'm, I'm about to close, but that, that thought of people's destiny, so to speak. Moses had this destiny to be the, from God. Okay, Not some worldly, mythological thing from the Lord to be the deliverer and to think that those huge things in a person's life can hinge upon what we think is trivial. I think it's really, really important that we be able to hear from God and that we're sensitive to that. And we need to take a step back and say, this wasn't important to me, but it is to God. And that needs to be important to me. And I'm, I'm not going to have success, so to speak, in my walk with the Lord or in my ministry or whatever it may be until this is dealt with, until this is handled. You know what we have to do? We need to cast it down. Whatever it is, temper, you know what I'm saying? Temper, uh, whatever. Maybe we're not tithing. Maybe we got a bad temper. Uh, what To cast that down, if we can't do it ourselves, then we need to go to the Lord we always need to go to the Lord, but you, need, you and I need to go to the Lord maybe some special cases where it's extra hard and say, God, I, like F.B. Meyer said, I can't even hand you the key. But here it is. If you'll take it, it's yours. I can't even reach out and give it to you. But I, I have enough faith to believe if you'll reach in and take it, it's yours. Something that was hindering his life. And God reached in and took it. He's a good God. He's a kind God. He's a powerful God. 
But we have to, to trust Him with those things. And so, I want to close with this. He, he, he on His way, and we read in the chapter 4 that God had put this call. So here's Moses walking towards Egypt. And God at the same time had spoken to His brother Aaron, who spoke well, He said. Okay, eloquent. I'm going to send him to you. And guess what? They meet. They haven't talked. No emails. No nothing. They haven't spoken in 40 years. It really is amazing when you think about this. And they meet up at the Mount of God in the wilderness after 40 years. Is that I mean, one-on-one? Just the two of them coming. God put it in Aaron's, in Aaron's heart. God put it in Moses' heart and mind. Told him where to go. Is that not amazing? It's amazing. And He's the same God and He can do that today. And I can tell you this, that they rejoiced. I know they were happy to see each other and they both shared what was in their heart and it was the same thing and all of that. But I would say this in closing that the Lord has things like that for us. He has an Aaron waiting for you. He has, whether it's maybe in the ministry, He's got that or maybe it's the spouse that he's going to give you and you're not going to miss you're not going to miss that it's not like you're coming close and oh we just missed each other and going off into eternity without each other uh it's not going to happen and you don't have to work at it you know what you have to work at staying close to the lord and whoever he's hooked maybe he's going to hook you up with this other like-minded person in a ministry he's going to use you go to africa and start this big mission this huge work of God. And in Africa, he's speaking to somebody. And in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, he's speaking to somebody. And they're, they're soulmates in the sense, not the weird way the world talks about it. They're Aaron, I mean, Aaron and Moses going to meet. And God's going to have the time and the place and the person. And you're going you're gonna to meet together. And I, I would say that would be for some big call in the ministry for who you're going to marry, whatever it may be. And it's exciting because He's bringing you to them. And He's bringing them to you. He's doing it. He's doing it. And it's exciting to know that. And when He, when just closing with our mind on, on Moses right here, they come, come together and, and the joy of seeing His brother and being joined together in this call of God just washed away all the loneliness or whatever had happened over the last 40 years. All that was just water under the bridge. It was replaced by this joy and this expectation. And there's a strength and a power that comes when, from knowing that you have the call of God upon your life for whatever it is you're doing. And He walked in that. And so I just want to close with that uh, tonight. And, and these altars are open. There's a couple of thoughts tonight, but to me, the main thing is, is being obedient to the little things that God shows you. Walking in the light that God has shown you. Whether you think it's not sufficient light or not, if it's what He has shown you and has said, do this, then He means for us to do this. Unless He says do this in five years, if He doesn't say five years, then He wants you to do it right now. Okay? Do this. Start praying with your family. Start tithing. Start shaking those gospel tracks in your pocket. Start setting your mind on me and stop worrying all the time. Okay? Whatever it is He is showing you to do. Start seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost and pray till you get it. Receive. 
whatever. He's meaning for you to do that. Well, I'm not interested in that. God, I'm interested in this. It's a good thing. It's a godly thing. He says, this is what I'm telling you to do. Do this, and I'll get you there. And that's where He wants us to walk. And Father, we just come before You tonight in the name of Jesus. God, and I want to thank You so much for Your Word. I want to thank You for Your goodness. I want to thank You that You're our gentle shepherd, our good shepherd. I want to thank You for the things You're teaching us through Your Word and through the life of Moses. God, I want to thank You for this church. I do believe Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Even on the home front. And God, we, we resist him. We give no place to the devil. We're not ignorant of his devices. And we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, even to the pulling down of strongholds. And God, we pray a hedge of protection around our church, each individual, each family, each marriage. Lord God, that you would be the center of everything, God. And I pray that you would cause us as your people to walk in the measure of light that we've been given, to be obedient. I pray you would show us, is there anything in our life that we thought was trivial? is nothing. And to you, it's, it's huge and it's hindering our growth. God, forgive us. Who are we to judge? If you say we're to do something or if something's not honoring to you and we say, well, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And it's hindering our walk with you and it's hindering our call and it's hindering the fulfillment of that call. And it's hindering our relationship with you and it's hurting our witness for Christ. And we don't want any of that. We want the blessedness, the full blessedness of all you have for us. And I want the full blessedness of every, everything you have for every believer in this room. All of our days, we want to walk in the fullness of what you have for us. Not halfway, not some coming up short somewhere. Help us, God. Speak to our hearts, God. And help us, God. You said if you be willing and obedient, or we want to be willing and obedient. Teach us. Give us strength. Lord, we might be scared. Somebody here might be scared. They know what they're supposed to do and they're afraid to do it. Somebody might be tired. They know what they're supposed to do and they don't feel like they have the strength to walk it out. God, you're going to give us the strength day by day. Give us this day our daily bread and strengthen us for today, God. I pray you put the holy calling of God upon these people's lives right here on our lives. Let us walk in it, Father. In Jesus' name, if we need an errand sent to us to help us, then God, you have that errand. Send them to us, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.